It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans at the lovely Collins Hotel on St. Charles Avenue. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. In the next 60 minutes, you'll get to meet just four of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans, and you'll get to hear some live music as well. In fact, you're hearing it right now. At the end of the show, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music, but you probably know that already. So let's get right on with doing nothing. But enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together, my guests sitting around the table here at the Columns Hotel are an incredibly illustrious bunch of New Orleanians. I have to say, this is an impressive crowd. John McCusker is a New Orleans native with deep roots. His grandmother and father were both born in Treme. John spent nearly 30 years as a staff photographer for the Times Picayune. You don't look old enough to do that, really. Do you start when you were two or something? He was part of the team that won the 2006 Pulitzer Prize for coverage of Hurricane Katrina, but that wasn't enough to impress the new look NOLA.com Times Picayune. When John was fired, along with many other talented reporters and photographers, he was scooped up by the New Orleans Daily Edition of the Baton Rouge Advocate. Good job. John is also a jazz historian. His new book, Creole Trombone, a biography of Kid Ori, who helped create jazz in New Orleans at the beginning of the 20th century, has just been published. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much, Brian. Thanks for being here, John. Oh, it's super to be here. Across the table from me, Jason Foster is a native of Kingston, Jamaica. Jason packed up and moved to the U.S. when he was six years old. It took him a few years and a stint at Georgia Southwestern State University to make it to New Orleans, but he made it here two years ago and hasn't stopped moving since. He's the co-founder of Foster Bear Films, making beautiful, high-quality films about edgy subjects and talented musicians who are often, often flying below radar. Jason's already giving back to the film community. He just joined as a mentor to younger filmmakers. Hi, Jason. Hi. How are you How doing? Are you? I love your T-shirt. It says, yes, comma, I'm black. Yes. Is there some question about that? Usually? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Kat McCarthy, sitting to my left, is also known as Bobo the Monkey Girl and Sister Silver Hair Surprise. <laughs> Kat McCarthy is a filmmaker, a Fulbright scholar, far overqualified for this conversation already, <laughs> and a highly respected and sought-after teacher of Anusara Yoga. A native New Orleanian, Kat balances her time between here and New York City, as well as crisscrossing the country conducting yoga workshops. Kat is a director and producer of the TV show's Family Plots on A&E and Trauma Life in the ER, for which she was nominated for an Emmy. You can also keep up with most aspects of Kat's disparate life on her blog, Kat from the Mat. Kat well McCarthy, done. welcome well to Happy Hour. Thank you. That was a pretty good description of your life <laughs> up to so. this very minute. We'll I didn't know my street names were so uh, ubiquitous. Bobo the Monkey Girl, yes. yes. Well, uh, we'll get on to that in a minute. And sitting to my right is making a return trip to Happy Hour, Caleb Trotter, the Libertarian candidate for Congress for the 2nd District of New Orleans. Caleb, good to see you again. Uh, the 2nd District seat was formerly held by Joseph Gow. Dollar Bill Jefferson and is currently held by Cedric Richmond. Caleb was our guest a few weeks ago when the campaign started and he impressed us all here at Happy Hour with his platform of legalizing marijuana for the entire nation, for which we endorse you wholeheartedly as a candidate. <laughs> we thought it would be a good winning strategy for the New Orleans vote. Of course, it must be so we asked Caleb to come back here and give us an update on how things are going. Well, thanks for having me What's again. What's the one word update? Good? Improving. Thank goodness. Okay, and sitting across the room, the lovely, talented, charming and always gorgeous Piano player, Mitch Foreman. Ah, beautiful. Thank you, Mitch. Hey, you're welcome. How are you, Mitch? If I were any better, I'd be on It's New Orleans. You are on It's New Orleans.com ah, right I'm now. as good as can be. You couldn't be any better. Very nope. good. Okay, so Mitch, the question on everyone's lips, of course, yours included, is what's up with the marijuana campaign, Caleb? <laughs> what is up with it? Yeah, what is up with it? Well, it's it's something I've started taking a little heat from as the message has gotten 
out there further. Apparently, it's an issue that some people will vote on negatively if they hear someone in the public talking about this as part of their main platform, which to me is disappointing because I think it's a conversation that looking at the incarceration rate in Louisiana that we have to have and we need to approach things differently. So I'm not backing down. I have a commercial yes, that start airing man. next week on local TV. It's online on YouTube and my website now. Which is, um, what's your website in case anyone's It's calebtrotter.com. Um, calebtrotter.com. Exactly. It's okay. pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and so well, it's we'll, on the internet. And it's... The internet's pretty easy to yes, find. So yes, that would be simple. Exactly. Okay. So people, I would think what I thought last time when you told us this idea that you're going to win with the simple strategy of wanting to legalize pot. Because who in New Orleans, who in the second district of Orleans Parish wouldn't want to legalize pot? Let's go around the table. Kat? I'd say go for it. I think we should legalize everything, and then it wouldn't be so... Everything. Yeah, everything. Let's just legalize everything. Well, they usually people say then, well, what about marrying your dog or something like that? (laughs) All right, let's just put it in the realm of the drug related. Yes. Okay, so legalize all drugs. So you know you're going on record. Oh, goodness. Saying you would like to. uh, That's fine. I just think that if you you start to, if you criminalize it, then it just creates all this other stuff and you just make it available. You just start to, you know, control it in a different way instead of having it being. You know. Yeah, but is that even possible that we could... I mean, Caleb is a congressman. Yeah, I don't know. Politically, it's not. I think it's the right thing to do, and that would fully respect people's individual choices. I think there are ways to regulate things on par with alcohol and tobacco to, to ensure that things are safer. But right now, it's all done on the black market with absolutely no supervision. So anything to regulate it would absolutely be safer because it's not like the illegality of these substances is stopping anyone from acquiring them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we absolutely at least need a different way of approaching it. Jason, are you all for it? Well, as you said in, my, in your intro, I was born in Jamaica. So, <laughs> and I said right there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... You didn't start smoking weed at five, though, did you? Or did you? Uh, no, no, at, at three. More like four. Three, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's late. No, um... Yeah, legalize it. It's, it's kind of the, the, the same thing as a parent telling a kid not to do something for a long time. Right. They just do it to, to see what the fuss is about, you know? And I think that, yeah, legalize it. You're all for it. So yeah. you, are you, are you, do you vote in the second district? I don't know. This is my first election being in New Orleans. Right. Yeah. Are you registered? I'm, yeah. Yeah. So where do you live? Well, Caleb can tell you if you're one of I us. live in Mid-City. You're, unless you're on the lakeside of City Park Avenue, you no. are District 2. I'm so right off Canal. You're District 2? You're District 2, yeah. so you can vote for Caleb. Okay. You can Ka- are you vote. in Caleb's <laughs> district? Thank you. <laughs> no. We're, you're not. You're out of the district. <laughs> oh, well, we can't do much about that. You could always move, I suppose, before. It's too late, though, now, right? <laughs> October 9th was the deadline for this for coming election. Okay. So. John, where do you live? Close enough to vote? Uh, yeah, I'm in your district. Uh, yeah, I'd be your district, yeah. Okay, Great. so what do you, would you vote on the marijuana issue? Well, being a member of the media that may have to report on this election and both sides <laughs> evenly, I'm not going to take a personal stand on, on an but you're on election. But ta- you're only enough. taking photos. You're not actually reporting. Well, I mean, no, you just record. You're reco- it's called photojournalism. Yeah, but Grant. you're recording. You're recording <laughs> right. what's happening. You're not making an right. opinion about but, it. But no, but you know, I've I've covered the last five presidents, you know, and I wouldn't say, you know, which ones I voted for and which ones I didn't. You know, I try to shoot yeah. it down the middle. Can be fair. It wouldn't be fair to you. For me to say, or to your, uh, or to your opponent, for me to say, I come down one way or the sure. other. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that 
you know, from the deep south to come, you know, obviously you've got candidates like this. I mean, you've got, you know, a whole marijuana growing constituency in like Humboldt, California, mm-hmm. um, you know, with actually people being elected. In fact, uh, there was a story a few years ago in Georgia where, uh, you know, there were so many marijuana growers in Georgia, they actually pulled together their resources and elected their own candidate for sheriff. Um, <laughs> okay, now that's which a good you idea. Might, you might expect that from, you know, out west, you yeah. know, or maybe, you know, but they, this actually happened in the Deep South. But I think on a national level, this is sort of a third rail issue. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to be one candidate here and again to be elected on an issue like that. Um, but in terms of the national, national politics, na- no national politician is going to go with that. But this is, I mean, Caleb is a, is a candidate for Congress. For the, well, he's, yeah, he's a candidate for King Congress. <laughs> yeah, but if he gets in, which we could elect him, I mean, not us sitting around this table, but the second district could elect him on the single issue. There's enough pot smokers if we united. Not that I'm saying, of course, I'm not a pot smoker myself, as you can tell by looking at me. But if we were, I mean, if you united all the pot smokers in the second district, of, of whom there are a vast number, even in jail, are you allowed to vote from jail? No. Not at all. Not even in the OPP so. or anything. Nothing. That's a shame because a lot of pot smokers in jail. Listen, we, we don't even have to include all of the, the pot smokers because you can just look at it sensibly. And, and, and while John is right that it is nationally somewhat of a, a third rail issue, that's, that's really disappointing to me because you can look at the history of the drug war. We've spent a trillion and a half dollars, yet addiction rates have remained absolutely flat. If you did that on any other program people would recognize and be clamoring over the insanity of it. But when just because it's drugs and it's something that's a little messy and it tends to be um, in defense of unsympathetic people generally, then that's when it becomes this separate yeah, thing. Yeah, but hang on a second. That's the, the stereotype is it's in defense of unsympathetic people. But the sure. reality is it's not. The reality is it's all of us sitting around this table that have, except because we can't be sure John has. Well, no, but, it, but he does have a point. I and mean, if you know, as sort of the historian guy at the table, having just written a story that was said in the Jazz Age, mm-hmm. you know, during Prohibition, um, you know, certainly the failure of alcohol prohibition in this country is well-documented history. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we had, you know, it was sort of twofold because on the one hand, you had something that was illegal and then immediately uh, suddenly was illegal. And what it did was it sort of rounded off the edges of criminality. So being a criminal was kind of like fun, you know, right. because, you know, it's like, well, that's my Uncle Bill. Yeah, he drinks, but he's not a criminal. Um, so it, so was, it, had, it had that effect. Did but, but at the same time, the yes. flip side of that is since it was a black market, it helped create the mafia as we now know it. Um, so, you know, your point is well taken about the illegality. And, you know, and you could certainly, and I've heard the case argue that if you did legalize drugs, the gun violence on the streets that's going on right now would end immediately. Because it's not, necess- it's not people getting cracked up and going and shooting each other. It's people engaged in the drug trade that are shooting each other. Yeah, but isn't there a difference between drugs and marijuana, Congressman? There is. That's why I'm more focusing on the marijuana issue, because politically that's something that's more in, in the public realm now. And There are three right. states in the western United States that are voting to legalize it in their state. So that's something that I think society is getting more ready to deal with seriously, whereas the other things, that would be a, a political disaster. So, well, how's the, truly how's the rest of the campaign platform. going? What's it like? Because this is your, I mean, you're pretty, how old are you actually? I'm, I'm 28. So this so is a your little first younger than your typical congressional yeah. candidate. Right. 
you still have all your own hair and you haven't colored it or anything. <laughs> so that's a big difference True. from most of the people in Congress, at least. Right. So how are you finding it being a candidate, going from zero to suddenly being a candidate? It's a challenge. I'm also in law school, so finding enough hours in the day is rather <laughs> difficult. Um, I would think. Starting to get more and more tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm really ready for middle of November to be here. But it's been... It's been well worth the effort just to be able to get a different message out there. I'm not just running on marijuana issues or a number of other things, but oh, just to be able to have a, uh, a different message to this district and to get separate c- debates and conversations going has been worth the entire process. And I've met some wonderful people. Are because people of it, listening so. to you or taking, paying any attention to you except us? I think so. I mean, I've been invited to, as far as I know, all the forums and events that have been right. open to all candidates so and oh, i've had cool. some some very serious questions asked and no one's booed me out of the room yet wow so, so there's a chance you could win this anything's possible is it really i mean is it statistically have you got any polling i guess you don't have any polling no i've been saving my my meager campaign funds for for other things so and mm-hmm. i have yet to see anyone that's done a poll in the district so but the question is if you get elected will the glaucoma rates go down we can only hope. So, but there, there is already a bill sitting in committee in the House that was sponsored by Barney Frank and Ron Paul that would treat marijuana just the same as alcohol and tobacco. It would still allow the individual states to decide how far they wanted to take that. All we need is someone to push that existing bill through the committee and start bringing regular attention to it. So, well, it seems to me also help. that people who support it being legally legal doesn't necessarily mean they partake. I mean, right. there's a... There's Absolutely. A, you know, I, You're not a pot smoker. For I'm example. not a pot smoker. I'm, I'm not either, but I a, think it should be legal. Right. Okay. I, I've never touched it. Have Maybe you ever tried it? Have you tried it for lots of stuff? Me? Yeah. You ever seen marijuana? No, I've never seen I've it. I've never seen, never it, seen it, it, it my whole life. But you know yeah. what? I know that when you, when people who I do know who smoke marijuana get hungry. Do you guys... Uh, are you guys interested in eating anything? Look what just showed up. Yeah. We just got some sliced pizzeria dropped us off there. Trucker wow. Calzone. Yeah. Here it Very comes. Nice. Our producer, Graham DePonte, is just going to get it out of the box here. I'll tell you something about it. Who is anyone a vegetarian? Cat, I bet you're yes, a vegetarian. I well, am. you won't be able to eat this. This is a meat lover's calzone. Oh. <laughs> I'll watch. It's got ricotta cheese, pepperoni, Italian sausage, bacon, ham, and a side of marinara sauce. And Jay Morris, who dropped me off this thing, wanted me to mention their happy hour specials as well, real quick. Monday through Friday from 2 to 6, they have half price draft beer, glasses of wine, signature cocktails, and shared plates. If you don't know where Slice is, it's 1513 St. Charles Avenue, which is down by Lee Circle. There's another one uptown on Magazine Street right next to Whole Food. And you can check out their website, if you really want to make yourself crazy, at slicepizzeria.com. Okay, let's try it. So we have to cut this up. Oh, come on. Really? Graham. Okay. So Graham's cutting up the, the, uh, the calzone. So normally about this time of the day on our show, we have some music. But we had a, t- a strange thing happen. We had um, our guests who were supposed to be on the show today... Allegedly, one of them, uh, they're in a band. Allegedly, one of them got run over on Veterans Boulevard and killed. What? I don't know if that's true. I heard that third hand only. Christian, who books our music, told me, and he heard it from somebody else. So what, what band? Mahela, the band's Mahela. called. Do you know if any no. of that's true? I hope to God it's not true. John, you're a reporter. What's up? I don't know either. I mean, Can we, I, I don't mean, know that anybody with a band named Mahela got Got hit. I, I think. I don't was, know where there might be somebody. I got a news alert yesterday that there was an accident. In, in, might have been uh, someone's yesterday. brother or sister or someone or yeah. neighbor. It might not be one of the guys in the band. I don't know who you the know. hell it is. If it's forgive anyone. me for not t- dialing it up right away. We actually had some pretty god awful stuff happen in the last twenty four hours in the city. Right. Really? What's happened? I haven't got a clue because I don't uh, get the paper isn't there anymore. Is our car on fire on? Uh, 
Uh, well, I, Interstate? I, actually, uh, the thing I was reporting on today was uh, a mother, um, probably mentally ill, um, killed two of her children last night. <sighs> oh, I can understand and that. Pretty, pretty awful over in Girt Town. So that's, oh. that's the story I was working on today. So what happens? You get a call and you have to go and take a photo of these dead kids in a bathtub or something? Well, I, I didn't go up to the bathtub and the dead kids weren't there anymore. But um, yeah, so I have to go and try to make a visual representation for something for the paper, which in this case, um, there was actually an outpouring uh, from the neighborhood and the fence outside the property is now covered with stuffed animals and so forth. It's, that's the way the people in the community mm. reacted. What exactly um, is Girt Town? Just um, well, if you think of, if you think about uh, going up the Earhart Expressway, and to the side of that, you know, when you get around um, between like Washington Avenue and Jeff Davis, oh, and there, up towards that's Carrollton, Girt that's Girt Town. Girt Town okay, yeah. I never can figure out where. Jason, have you got? You've been here a couple of years. Have you figured out all this? I, mean, I barely know where the Marigny is We're, or Bywater. <laughs> I can't. Differentiate between it's two. difficult to. Yeah. It's easy around. to tell when you're yeah. in the Bywater. Just look around and see all the license plates from New York. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. John, how did your grandparents, or was it your grandmother and father, get to be born in, in Treme? Well, they, uh, my family's been in Louisiana for since the Spanish colonial. Period. Yeah, but I thought Treme was. I thought Treme was all black people back well, then. That's Are you black as well? You want this shirt? Well, I don't know. You should right be there. wearing Jason's Maybe. shirt that yeah. says, yes, I'm black. I can't tell. You don't look black, but I... A <clears throat> hundred years ago and 200 years ago, the city and the population were very different than what they are now. Um, for example, if, if you go back to 1910, um, black people in New Orleans were actually a minority. Um, I'd have to open my book to get the exact figures. But, you know, this city was actually much more important place 100 years ago. Important to whom? Important to the world. Oh, really? Um, in fact... Let me go ahead and get that number. I thought it was the most important place now because we had more entrepreneurs here than uh, any other city. No, we've just, got better, we've just got better, better PR, PR people. Wow, Graham, thank but you. Look at thank the pizza. Mm, the calzone pizza. Holy crap, look at this. Well, it's not really a calzone pizza. It's a calzone... Period. So mean. <laughs> My God. Yeah, well, anyway, that figure is there, the population yes. in 1910. Oh, how did you know what page to turn to? Look at this. was 339,000 people. Let me write this on a napkin. 339,000 people in the whole of New Orleans. 89,000 were black. Now, that doesn't sound like the city well, that we live in today, does it? It's almost the same total population. Isn't that about who lives here now, if you technically in Orleans? Right. Paris, so the, the notion that any neighborhood in the city was the mono-ethnic ghetto, or was, it was any one color or another... Is, is it's just not in, true. It's incorrect. Okay, well, I thought there was segregation, and that's why we were segregated. Well, yeah, there were segregated facilities and public facilities, segregated uh -huh. schools. But not housing. But not the neighborhoods. In uh, fact, no, the neighborhood the, in Central City, you know, if you think of uh, Jackson Avenue around the funeral home, um, you know, where mm -hmm. they do the toast at Zulu now, if you went and looked at the census data from that track from 1910 you would probably be very surprised at who was living there. You had German immigrants living next door to, um, you know, people that would have considered themselves Creoles or been classified as mulatto and have them living next to Italians. Um, but they weren't know. allowed to go to the same restaurant or they weren't allowed to use the same drinking fountain. Well, or right. ride at the same, on the same part of the bus, but they, then they would right. go home and, and live next door to each other. But then you would go home and other. live next door to each other. And they right, would hang exactly. out together. In fact, one of the interesting things, you know, I do a jazz history and landmark tour, and here's a fascinating thing to think about. The guy that's considered the first jazz band leader in New Orleans, Charles Buddy Bolden, lived on First Street. Yeah. And he used to go and sit out on his step and practice his horn. 
and the kids would gather around his feet. Now, one of those kids was a little white kid that lived next door. His name was Larry Shields. He went on to be the clarinet player on the very first jazz record ever made in 1917. Good heavens. That's what I mean about how this, this city was very different what in terms year, of... What year? Um, Go on, Jason. Yeah. Wasn't, this, wasn't New Orleans progressively like more progressive towards people of color than others, other cities in America, though? Well, again, you have to look at what time period you're talking about. Right. Um, if you're talking about you know, the period um, of Reconstruction, well, yeah, that was a really forward-looking time if you were, if you were African-American because, you know, uh, you know, a guy maybe wasn't even counted as a human being on the census 10 years earlier, and he could be a member of the police department, okay? But if you look at what happened after the Louisiana Purchase through to the Civil War, the whole antebellum period, um, it got to be really rough on the free people of color. And in fact, thousands of them left between 1850 and 1860 because the rights that they had enjoyed... Um, under the French and the Spanish system disappeared. They evaporated under the American system. In fact, one of the stories that doesn't get told about Congo Square, you know, everybody talks about Congo Square as this gathering place. Well, one of the reasons Congo Square got to be the, the gathering place was there were actually a number of city markets, and that's what Congo Square was. It was a market. There were a number of markets where African Americans would gather on Sundays. And the reason they could do this was under the French and Spanish Code Noir, which, which covered which were the rules of slavery and how you were supposed to conduct slavery, uh, people of color had Sundays off. And this is a person who's a slave. This is a slave. Who's had a, Sundays who's off. wholly owned by somebody. Right, but you had Sundays off. There was a, like a slave law. union type of thing? Well, as opposed to the way the American and the English system did it, where there was never a day off for a slave. This was codified law this under is, the French and Spanish system. This is in Louisiana. So we had French and Spanish slavery here. Did right. they have slaves in France and Spain as well? Uh, no, right. they had the French and the Spanish had slaves in the New World. So people who lived in France and Spain itself, in, the, in Europe, they didn't have slaves, but they came here and had slaves. Right. So who had the genius idea to have slaves? Well, I can't take you back to the whole etymology of 500 years of slavery, but getting Lazy back to white the, people. But uh, getting well, somebody must have came up with the idea. <laughs> but getting back to your point and your question that you asked. You know, the whole way that, that that happened with Congo Square was an attempt by the Americans when they took over New Orleans. They said, oh, my God, we can't have all these gatherings of black people all over the city. So they passed a law requiring that the Sunday gatherings be at one market, not at all of the markets, uh -huh. and that market was Congo Square. But what they unwittingly did was create a sensation because instead of showing up at one of the markets and seeing 100 Africans dancing, you suddenly showed up at Congo Square and there are 500 Africans dancing. And actually, Congo Square sort of became the first tourist trap, the first must-see thing in New Orleans. <laughs> Good Lord. You know, before there was breakfast at Brennan's and all that other stuff, it became the <laughs> thing to go and see because it was such a curiosity that these Africans were being allowed to gather. It's the first Freaknik. There it is. What kind yeah. of a life must that have been? I mean, do you think about that to be a slave, to be paid nothing? To have got to have no rights to be like in jail, basically you're like a federal. You're like horrible. A, you're like in jail, basically. You are but, in jail. But it, it is and interesting. And you're Sunday off to go dance for the tourists and then go back to picking cotton. Yeah, it's, it's a rotten part of of our history. But you know, understanding it and understanding the changes in society um, between now and then helps us understand ourselves as Americans. And you know, slavery and race relations are certainly the stain on the American promise. But how crazy that we had. 
that we had American slavery and French Spanish slavery. I never, did you guys know that? You ever heard that before? No. Well, I knew there's been different occupations and cultural influences yeah, over definitely. the years. No, but I didn't but know New there Orleans, was a nuanced slavery. Yeah. Well, New Orleans, mm-hmm. I think, is one of the places that's unique in that you do have an interaction of different socioeconomic groups that live next door to each other, and therefore everyone just kind of is actually closer than in other cities where people are sort of isolated from each other and kept separate. So yeah. I think there's always been that here. Why do, you, why do they call you Bobo the Monkey Girl? Oh, don't even get into that. <laughs> well, why is it? Where did it come from? First of it's all... It's a long story. Okay, well, have a think about it for a second. Guys, have some calzone. <laughs> it's the trucker calzone from Slice Pizzeria. We have to eat it and try it. See if yes. it's any good. You all get to have my piece. I wish you could have some. Uh, no, it's How quite How long have you been right. a vegetarian, Monkey Girl? Um, since age 12, my brother and I... Wow, really? ...decided. We went to... Uh, have a fork as well. Yeah. A barbecue with the family. Yeah. And I think they had frog legs or something very Oh, upsetting. that would do it to you. And uh, my brother and I decided that was it. He was 15, but, I was 12. Yeah. And then yeah. my parents didn't know what they were going to feed us. And then we just sort of won them over. And they, they don't eat as much meat. And my brother runs the farmer's market. So we're always around foodie, That's your veggie bro- people. Your brother's Richard McCarthy? Yes, it is. Come on, really? You knew that. I did not know really? that until this very second. Oh. That yes. guy's like a super genius kind of a guy. He's figured out this. Not does he just only does he just run this farmers market here, but he has an empire of farmers markets. And he's a, around he's, the world. He's, he's, a, he's a like really a fun brother. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. He's he started this whole farmers market movement, this whole green well, movement around the, the world. One of the things that's been really interesting, especially since Katrina, because he was doing it before, you know, way before um, all of that happened, is that the farmers markets are actually a great way to keep the community connected and to. Um, dole out information. So after Katrina, one of the things, I I was with him documenting. I had just finished a show um, for a year, this show Family Plots, and it's a show about a family-run mortuary, so there was a lot of death involved, as you can imagine. And uh, I was like, okay, enough with the death, and I came back to uh, New Orleans, and then Katrina happened, and then I turned my family into a reality show and documented everything. Did you really? Yeah, so I followed my brother as we brought fresh food back into New Orleans after... Katrina because all the grocery stores were closed and everything was kind of shut down. Mm. And he was also helping the shrimpers and a lot of the farmers who had lost everything get back on their feet because they don't care about living in a trailer per se. They want to get back to work so they can start to support themselves and rebuild. Not waiting for any government handouts. As you can tell, they never sort of came very quickly. So um, so anyway, we helped build, the, we did a documentary following that, um, and uh, he helped bring the fresh food back, and that helped start build community. And then all the information about FEMA and all the various things that were going on at the time was passed on during the, the markets. What happened to the documentary? Did you make um, it? I still have about 200 hours of footage, because uh, I was in Houston where my family ended up and brought them back. Um, and documented all that. But we did do one thing that's on YouTube under Hominy Films, um, which is called From uh, Disaster to Dessert. And it was all <laughs> about the rebuilding of that time when I documented. Right. Um, it's a quick little thing. And then my brother also brought the farmers, the shrimpers up to New York and did this white boot brigade event. And every, they paid for their hotel rooms in fresh shrimp. Because wow. right after Katrina, all the wow. shrimp was actually extremely plentiful because of all the churning of the storms. Really? And yet no one had their engines and their boats to be able to go and shrimp. So the people who were able to, they went up and, and all the uh, restaurants in New York, some of them, the chefs feature the New Orleans shrimp 
that the shrimpers brought, so we went to all the different restaurants. That's also so, so it's on YouTube. Pretty exciting. Yeah, it was really, interesting a really time. interesting. So back time. to my question: Why do they call you Bobo the Monkey Girl? <laughs> I know nothing. I can't tell. There's no, there's no, there's no story behind. <laughs> no, there it? is, but it's 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 more intriguing to not share it. <laughs> okay. Anyone got a follow up question? <laughs> what do you think of the calzone, the trucker calzone? Pretty nice. Jason, it's pretty tasty. What do you think? It's uh, very John, can you take a position on that? <laughs> I absolutely can. I, uh, what did you say? I just kind of hunkered right over a piece. That was mm-hmm. the position I was okay. in. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty nice, isn't it? Congressman, what do you think? Would you endorse that? I endorse this calzone. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's just got the munchies. <laughs> is your Bobo story, is it safe for children? Is it? That's a good question, Jason. Hmm. Perhaps. My niece calls me Bobo the Monkey Girl, so... Does she know why? <laughs> no. <laughs> when when did you story. when did you get this nickname? Was it like a college nickname that year? No, it was, it was during graduate school when I was at NYU for grad film. Pretty close. Good question. Yeah, okay. it's a good question. All right. We're getting, getting close. closer. Yeah. Getting closer. Right. I'd say you get, like, try five more. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, what's my line now? We're playing yeah. 20 questions at this <laughs> point. Is it bigger what's than a bread basket? Mm-hmm. Can it fit? <laughs> I don't know the theme for that. But, but it, it has segued to the Sister Silverhair surprise. Sister Silverhair yeah. surprise is another one that was yeah. uh, in the same paragraph yeah. that I read yeah, there yeah, from yeah. the yeah. introduction. I've, I, have, I have matured what, why in my is it, silver locks. Where does sister, well, your hair is a silvery color. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But what's, where does the it. sister and the surprise come from? Oh, it just between, between uh, talking on the walkie-talkies for, for film stuff and uh, for yoga, things that I teach, it just sort of became a running joke, so... Okay. That's all. Let's talk a little bit about yoga oh, in just goodness. a minute, shall we? Oh, goodness. Shall you don't we? want to talk about no, yoga? No, no, I will talk about no, it. No, you seem like you don't want to. We can talk about no, something No, no, else. no. I will talk about the yoga. Because that's also secrets. been another way of uh, helping build the community after Katrina. Yeah. Which is why I, why I came We've back. We've got a lot of Katrina stories between us all yeah, here. But actually, yeah. um, <laughs> before we do that, let's have some more calzone. I like this calzone, actually. It's nice. It's cheesy and meat. It's, sort of, it's not kosher, I don't think, at all. <laughs> Mitch, is it? Are you waiting for me? Sorry, I'm waiting. Was wondering if you could tell me if eating uh, bacon with cheese is kosher. Uh, or ham. I think in or certain certain districts. In <laughs> the third district, maybe. Hey, Mitch, you want to play something? I do. I, do. I would love I to. I would like to play a song called "Skylark." It's written by Hoagie Carmichael and Johnny Mercer. Okay. Goes something like this.
Yes, very nice. Oh, thank you. Mitchell Foreman on piano. Thank you. Very nice indeed. When did you first play that? When did I first play that? Yeah. Um, that's played it over the years many times. I know, but when did you first play it? Do you remember? Were no, you like a kid? Remember. Yeah, well, 20. Is that one of those things that you learn early on? It sounds like it's a, it's a standard, right? It's an old standard. You know what? I was recently reintroduced to it by my friend's daughter, Lizzie Loeb, which is going to lead me right into a little bit of self-promotion, if I may. Go ahead. Well, I, I've got, there's a, you have to know about how the Grammys are nominated, that there's a procedure before they're actually nominated where you're nominated to be nominated. So I'm in that position for about eight different categories. Yes, I see, you, the, I see your record, Sing Along With Mitch, which came out this year, is nominated for Best Record, Best, Al- best like rec- Album of the Year. Album of the Year, yeah. That's pretty wow. serious stuff. Wow. But it's not really, it's nominated to be nominated. So if any of you are Naris voters, please go to MitchellForman.com and see which categories you can help me out in. Do you have to be in a certain category? Like, do I have to be a jazz piano player to vote for jazz piano players, or can anyone? In I, yeah, I think I think you do have to be in certain categories. Some of the cat, like the record of the year category, everyone can vote for that. Right. But so, some of the more specific ones, you kind of have to be signed up in that category. Good. If we could vote for you and get you record of the year, and then get Caleb elected <laughs> to Congress, maybe be, we could do like a package deal. Yeah. That would be it's New Orleans one super box. pack. Yeah, <laughs> super pack. You don't have a super pack, do you, Caleb? Probably Not working yet. for you. No. Well, Mitch, hey, this is exciting stuff that you could you could win a Grammy. I know, I'm excited. So. Yeah, I guess we'd have to pay you more. That would be the only downside. Salary to that, right? bump. He's leaving. Like a salary bump. You have to pay him. Pay him nothing. If he wins the Grammy, he's not going to be here anymore. You think so? Uh, no, he'll stick uh, around. Don't you think, just Jason? You're very cynical for a, Jama- <laughs> for a pot smoking Jamaican five year old. Really? I never. I allegedly. Allegedly smoking. No, I thought uh, you admitted it. Oh, did I? I thought you said you started when you were three. I knew you were kidding. But I'm just taking a politician stance. Oh, really? Okay. You don't <laughs> no, want to I didn't say that. Are you going to ever run for anything? Oh. You're not going to run for anything. Surely. Oh, no, never. Maybe run away from a dog if he chases me. That would be uh, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. How did you get to come to New Orleans? What was the... Um, we're going to get to yoga in a minute. No, I want to know. Don't How worry, monkey girl. But yeah, first of all, it's... Actually, I used to come to New Orleans as a kid. Uh, I, my voice is still cracking. Yeah, so yeah, like oh, a kid still. Jeez, I'm, I'm 28 too, and it still does that. Um, two years ago, probably about three years ago, I went up to New York to work. From the, where? 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 Uh, from Georgia, Southwestern. So you came from Jamaica to Georgia? No, I no. From Jamaica, I've, I was pretty nomadic when I was younger. I lived in Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. Do your parents were dragging you around. Oh, witness protection program. Uh huh. So, okay. Yeah, that's over with now. But Mississippi, Alabama. It would be funny if you really yeah. were in the witness protection program because you're very yeah. distinctive looking. Yeah, I'll, I'll be dead. <laughs> You've got like a red <laughs> afro. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually a, a white woman before this. They, uh, Brilliant. <laughs> this made me over. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I went up to New York. I worked there for about six weeks on a TV show. I was a production assistant. Which one we are? White collar. You know the. Any good? I don't, it's it's okay. It. It's kind of like uh, Catch Me If You Can, but a TV okay. show like the uh, right. yeah. So I was a production assistant, first time ever doing that job. And right. if you guys know anything about being a PA, I've been a PA. Oh my <laughs> that's god! How you started oh yeah, that's too. how I started. Eighteen, yeah. yeah. It's like watch the sidewalk for five hours. Make sure the camera's going to see you over here. So make sure you watch like no trash. Come. Down how lowly is a PA? Do you even rate a walkie-talkie? Yes, yeah. you have a. You walkie. do. We you get do. yelled at. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're, we're, I didn't know if it was so low that you don't even get the, the ubiquitous walkie-talkie from the set. We, no. we do. Sometimes you might get the uh, McDonald's headset. We might not even get like the, you know, the Secret Service type who just get like the <laughs> microphone in the air. So you like run around looking like a idiot. Um, what, what was your name? Monkey Boy or anything like that? Uh, one guy called me Frosty. Frosty. Like <laughs> Freckles and Foster. He's like, okay. Like, Yo, someone can call you Frosty. You have like, a lot of freckles, I suppose. Are you? A, a little, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, That's pretty funny. Has that stuck, Frosty? No, not at all. Okay. Um, not something you share. Mm-hmm. Typically, uh, no, it's but not. But now the secret's out. It's not as bad as Bobo the. What well, is I kind of like Bobo, Bobo the, the monkey, monkey girl. girl. It's not bad. Yeah. But my my uh, my nickname when I was a PA was Flash. Flash. Yeah. What was it? Alec Baldwin gave me that one. Was Flash. Alec Baldwin uh, called yeah. you Flash. Well, yeah. that's something you can. I know, but drop then Bobo parties. the monkey girl. <laughs> you know? All downhill since then. Why did he call you Flash? <laughs> because I was just like on it. On it. What project Good. was that? <sighs> Heaven's Prisoners, maybe. It was a film here. I don't know. One of those. Anyway. Do you have Alec Baldwin's phone number? We could I do. Call him up. I won't call him now. <laughs> do you have it right? We could call him right now. Can we patch him in? For real. I'm not kidding. <laughs> he's, a, he's a super genius, that guy, isn't he? I love that guy. I don't, let's do let's, it. Let's go so back. Is, let's have a look at your phone. This is back when he was like I'll really call. sexy, right? <laughs> Alec Baldwin. He's a nice guy. He's yeah. now running for He's running. What? Right? Isn't he for office? Is, is he? he? Do something for Alec America? Baldwin is running for office? Is he really? And he's, he's getting married to a yogini. Who's he getting married to? I don't know her name, but she's in New York. What oh. style of yoga does she practice? Because we're going to get on with uh, it. I'm not sure. I think perhaps vinyasa. Vinyasa. I don't know the difference. But we'll get on to that anyway. in a minute. I do want yeah. to know something about right. yoga in a moment. But yes. But first of all, where did we get to? We got to you uh, working on a... F- yeah. Frosty. I, I Frosty. Frosty. Yeah. Frosty. in New York. Yeah. I, uh, Which basically sucks. So you, you only oh, lasted yeah. 20 days. That couldn't have been much of a shoot, I guess. Is that, or is that what they do? No. Is that like we, a TV show? It was a TV show. So okay. it, was pretty, it was pretty scheduled. Five uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday. Unless you got um, the job, that kind of oh yeah. That easy. No, I was. I mean, I busted my ass, you know. But uh, you know how it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Politics. Somebody doesn't like you. If they're trying to get a friend in, uh-huh. you might get pushed to the side, even though you're doing a great job. So that kind of happened. Moved back down to Georgia. I was reading about New Orleans and everything, and I've been here as a kid, so I was like, I, I love New Orleans, you know. So kind of just a uh, leap of faith. I moved down here, and eventually. I was doing extra gigs. I met uh, David Bear, who's the Bear and Foster Bear. I met him at an art gallery, and a few months later, we started working with each other. And about a year ago, officially, Foster Bear was formed. Had so. you made films before you came here? Or you just yeah, were, yeah. You know. I, uh, so graduated. you left out a bit here with some uh, actual well, yeah. filmmaking was yeah. involved. Well, I graduated with a BA in communication and a uh, minor uh, in marketing. So. I had made films and an intern, and you know, I'd done if all that stuff. You go to this website of yours, Foster Bear, is it fosterbearfilms.com? Yes. That's yeah. what I did, and I, I clicked on these various little films. They're absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. How did you learn to Thanks. do that? Where did that come in? Um, surrounding myself with people who are better than me, who know more than me. That's, uh, That's my style. That's yeah, what I'm doing here. Exactly. <laughs> and just th- put my name on it. I'm more like a, like a illegitimate father, kind of. <laughs> okay, MBA. You're a little bit, you sound like you're being a little bit modest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be what do you do? What's your, what's your specialty? What's your, yeah, thank you. A kind of jack of all trades, you know. Uh, some of the stories I've written, sometimes I might uh, act in it, uh, direct it, you know. Um, so you can act, write, and direct? Act, write, direct, edit. I mean, just any and everything. If it needs to be right. done, I, I do it. Do you shoot you know? at all or do sound? Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, yeah. Uh, actually, we were shooting yesterday, and 
I was the director for that, but also, you know, kind of like, camera. What are you there. shooting on these days? Uh, we're shooting on a 70, Canon 70. Uh, the last film I shot, though, we shot on a red. So which there's is, no film shot anymore. It's so sad. I wish. No, I love that. It's like you shoot, you well, shoot on one of these I know. Now. Well, yeah. you've got a disc, and that's what you shoot on, John? You mm-hmm. shoot on a, on a little disc like yeah, you have on Yeah, what's amazing is like, you know, you look at this, and this has more computer storage space than an entire store full of computers 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the little, the digital SLR cameras, you know, they, they shot a whole episode of House on one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. They shoot commercials on that. They shoot yeah. movies. I mean... So yeah, there's no yeah. film in film. There's anymore. no tactile. No. It's kind no. of sad, you know, that being in a in the you know developing stuff or just even editing. Yeah, but you know what? If there film. was film, there wouldn't be foster bear films. Quite frankly, no, there wouldn't you would be never be able to afford no. to get the, into the business. No, mm-hmm. no way at all. I mean, because the things that we do, it's it can get pretty guerrilla at times. Um, like what was that thing you shot like at, you shot like at the amusement park that's closed down there Five Flags or whatever it is oh, Six Flags Six Flags yeah, well, I took one flag off it's more like you know. yeah it's Five Flags now for you Fox Grant has yeah. it so, <laughs> that was pretty that's a cool piece whatever that thing yeah, is what was thanks. that I was pretty impressed with we, that. Um, beautiful actually again yeah it's been how did you get in there you just bust in we went through the front door mm-hmm. um, but we did have a police escort um, and we shot there so, so you legitimately shot there. So you have. Yeah, sense. let's say that for the radio show. We legitimately shot there. Okay, let's yes, say that. Go on okay. the record for you that. You didn't one. say it was a police well, escort in or a police escort I out. <laughs> I think the police Semantics. happen to just be there at the same <laughs> right. time. Guess, uh, if a police escort lets you in in New Orleans, yeah. it doesn't even mean anything. Probably necessarily. We we had a police awesome. officer with us, and he basically was the buffer, right, for the park people when they hey, came. Hey, John, so. talking about shooting things, you've been shooting film. I mean, you shot real film. In a yeah. still camera for all these years. Started with years. the garotypes. At the Times Picayune. And then the, <laughs> I, I just want to talk about the Times Picayune for a minute. I'm sure you don't want to. But the Times Picayune just unceremoniously <laughs> fired you. Everybody knows your name. I mean, everyone who reads the Times Picayune, which is everybody in New Orleans basically used to, knows the name John McCusker because your name has been a, you know, on these photos that we've all seen for a long time, especially over Katrina, where you know we, people kept the paper and, and the paper was a Bible almost. And then they turned around and just fired you. Along, not just you, but a whole bunch of t- talented people who had been there for a long time. What was that actually like for you? Well, getting fired? Yeah, the whole thing, this whole episode. Well, I've got to tell you, you know, um, the last four months, I kind of got sympathetic with the guys in the Beatles that 40 years after being in the Beatles, they keep getting asked about the Beatles. You know, every conversation I've had with the general public since mid-June 2012 has been about the picky end. And it's just gotten to be something that I can't even really even talk about anymore. It's just very painful. You know, I I shot my first picture for the picky end in 1983. I met my late wife there. Um, You know, we both worked there together for over 20 years at at the same time. uh, so do you hope they burn in hell these people then? no I don't hope anybody burns in hell and, really and, you know, what, no. do you, what do you hope happens to them what do you hope happens no, to Times um, you wish them every success and hope that it goes from strength to strength or do you hope it goes well, out of business well you know I think you have to understand there is no Times Picayune anymore the Times Picayune as it existed up until September 30th of this year is finished mm-hmm. there is a new corporation it's got a new name and it's you know you know it's you Going get, back to our earlier illusion, they're now Paul McCartney and Wings. 
Um, <laughs> it's now the state's item. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but honestly, you know, just for my own sake and my, you know, just keeping my own head around it, you know, I, I've, I've got a, you know, I've got a lot of friends that didn't come out smelling like a rose like I did. You know, well, you, I got, mean, you got a job with the veterinary advocate. I got advocate, a job, and now I got you're a job st- with the advocate. I still get to live in the, the city job. I love. Yeah, you're doing you the still same. get to shoot pictures of this wonderful city. You know, uh, Has your you life know, changed at so all? So it, it would be very, I think it would be very classless for me to sit here and, and whine and bitch and complain about it when a lot of my friends still haven't gotten work yet. Well, you don't have anything to complain about, really. You went from one paper to another paper, and you're doing the same exact, that's what I was going to ask you. Are you doing yeah. the same? Is your life exactly the same? No, it's actually very different. What's the difference? I mean, it's, it's the same in as much as I'm still shooting pictures of our wonderful city. But, um, you know... Uh, I don't even really have to go into an office. You know, they put in my assignments and they come straight to my smartphone. So, you know, I'm basically in my car most of the day and right. I just, I'm just shooting pictures and it's very efficient that way. I can shoot four or five assignments a day that way. Who's giving you the assignments? Now? Uh, well, we've got a, 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 a reporters and a bureau chief that, that work in an office. So here. there's a bunch of people now, because I don't know if any of us know that what's really going on here. The, well, the I think what's Rouge fabulous is, is the, the, the Baton Rouge Advocate, what, you know, when the Picayune stepped back and essentially seeded the daily newspaper market in yeah. New Orleans, the Advocate did something that I just think was genius, and it was also a really stand-up thing to do. They hired six former Times Picayune staffers to come in and become their, their news operation. So what's utterly fantastic about that is although i'm working for a new company new culture and all that sort of thing i'm working with people i already have cohesion with and, right. and that i know it isn't like going into an office and being the new guy so is know? there a newsroom is there an actual ben Rouge advocate newsroom here now yeah well we have a temporary office in, a, in an office tower in new orleans uh i think they're setting up a permanent office for us um, are they right going to take the word Baton Rouge out of the title at some point and just call it the advocate or something? Well, it is just the advocate. Is it? And, Why do we call it the Baton Rouge advocate then? Well, call it that? I call well, it. I mean, you know, I could call it the New Orleans Times Picayune, but it doesn't say the New Orleans Times Picayune on it. Hmm. Um, but, you know, it very, says very clearly on our edition, New Orleans edition. Yeah. But is this an isolated situation that is that is with the Picayune, or is this happening all over where papers are being. You know, sort of more online and therefore backing off. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, there is clearly there is a trend. I mean, Newsweek magazine announced today Today, that they're they're not going to be after uh, June uh, January. They're not going to be publishing an actual magazine anymore. It's just going to be online. Really? Um, Newsweek is not going to publish a magazine. Right. Wow. Right. Did you guys know that already? No, I didn't. I, I didn't saw it on that. Twitter today. So. Which kind of yeah. kills the whole idea of the name Newsweek. I mean, it used <laughs> right. to be a weekly digest of right. news. Um, but the thing is, in, in New Orleans... Maybe time is going to cancel time. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> then we'll be getting to <laughs> the end of time. Finally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Hopefully you know, it is a trend, but I, I got to think that, you know, there are enough people in New Orleans that are bucking the trend. I mean, in, in three weeks' time, the advocates subscription rate has gone from zero to over 10,000, and we're selling 6,000 papers on the street every day. Wow. Mm. So there's 16,000 people already getting the bet or getting the advocate. Right. And what, how many people getting the Times-Picayune? I guess that was like 100,000 or something? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know how many are getting it now. But no, but I, how many were, I mean, how many used to get it when it was, you know, how many used to get it when it was a daily paper? But you you'd have to get two weeks' worth of Times-Picayunes to get one week's worth of advocate. Yeah. Well, I you mean, know, three days a week. Mm-hmm. Have you tried? Have you tried looking at Nola. dot com since you quit? No. You guys ever go to Nola. dot com yeah, to look at it? I do. Uh, I love to read the comments to make myself feel <laughs> better about myself. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> Bless you. Jeez. That is a de- it is depressing. Thinking yeah. that that's your fellow citizens who are writing that crap. Yeah. 
Right. But it's a minority of people, of course, like Would everything. You, but did you hear that story about that guy being arrested for uh, being uh, for harassing people on the internet? No, you'd be arrested for that now. Well, they found out who he was. I think Gawker revealed who he was, and he ended up losing his job, and his wife was disabled, so now she he can't take care of her like he used to, and he has kids, and um, all for really just being a bully online. And yeah, the, I don't think yeah. there was any criminal acti- action taken against him. I think they just Gawker just outed him. Yeah, and, right. And, I'm sorry, and, did I say arrested? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, no, can't be, it can't yeah. be illegal to yeah. tell someone that you're an asshole or you hate, you know, no, hate we, Jews I mean, not or yet. blacks or whatever. Can I mean, you know? Yeah, they, they might make it illegal. Who knows? I mean, it's, well, yeah. it wouldn't be America if you weren't allowed right. to, you know, tell people you hate them. Right? <laughs> right. Monkey yeah. girl? Correct. Absolutely. Right. Yes, you have to be able to say that. Otherwise, we'd <laughs> Congressman, you would know better Absolutely. than anybody. We don't have a free uh, we don't have Not a free while press. I'm on the watch. So. There you go. You have to be able to say you hate people. So anyway, John, to, just to tie this up, what, what do you think is really... I mean, you're on the inside. What do you hear about the Times? I mean, what are people thinking? Is it going to go under? Because everybody seems to be canceling the subscription. Who, I, you who know, you I have no to. idea. You know, I'm, I'm on the outside now. You know, I, I left uh, a month ago. Always, I walked yeah. out of there on a Monday, and I started at The Advocate on a Tuesday. Um, and, you know, it's... Look, I started at the Picking when I was 20 years old. I had a whole life there. Um, you know, we, we did some really good journalism. And in the time that I was there, the Times Picking went from what... One writer once described as the great myopic giant of the Delta Morn to becoming a, f- a four or five time Pulitzer Prize winning newspaper. And, you know, I was there for that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I can't go around with resentment in my heart. I can't go around with anger in my heart because it's going to chew me up. It isn't well, what have you got them. to be angry about? I mean, it's a shame for the rest of us in New Orleans that we now right. don't have a daily newspaper unless we all start getting the advocate right. and it turns out to be a daily newspaper, which would be right. fine. But as far as you're concerned, it's not. I mean, you just gone from one paper to you're lucky. I am lucky. Yeah, so you I am lucky. To be and I, you know, I just kind of like sort of wanted to kick the sand off my shoes about it and forget about it, yeah. you know, and, and let it go, you know. And I try to look at it back on what what good it was. I mean, I went from being a wet behind the ears kid to someone that you know really knows how to do his job now. What do you, you do know? to relieve stress? To relieve stress? Yeah. Well, it's getting harder now that my children are grown, and I can't just come home and whack them around. A bit. <laughs> um, um, you know, I play music. I play a bit of music and, um, and so forth. Uh, uh, listen to music. Um, I probably should be doing some more healthy. I probably should be doing yoga or something, mm. you know, and getting in touch with my Especially inner- with shoulder alignment with camera work. Right. I work with a lot of people um, who have issues. Everyone's yeah, sitting up yeah, all right. Yeah, no first. Mr. Burns. Yeah. Yeah. Open up that way. I have to get in touch with my inner chakra. But, um, well, How did you start doing yoga? Because you didn't obviously <clears throat> do it your really whole life. That's a really good question. I took the backdoor entrance. I did not plan to even teach yoga, but in between film gigs, I would be so stressed because it's organized chaos and you never know what's going to happen and you have to do whatever is going to get done to have it done. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in graduate school and I was completely exhausted and um, I had food poisoning from a restaurant one night, ironically named Life Cafe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> owned by a yogi, which was, of course, ironic. And um, I had been doing um, Kung Fu, Wing Chun Kung Fu in Chinatown in New York. And that took a lot yeah. of effort, and I just didn't have it. So someone suggested, why don't you do some yoga? So I started doing yoga, and it helped build my reserve tanks back because when I was in graduate school, it was just exhausting. And I was also working as a camera assistant to get through graduate school and everything before I started directing. 
And so I realized it actually helped me stay very, very calm in the middle of chaos. And so then mm. I started, in between film gigs, I would go off and do yoga trainings and yoga things. And everyone then on film sets were like, will you teach us yoga before we, you know, do stuff in the morning? And I was like, I need to practice. I, you know, I need to focus. I'm going to be directing. I have to sort of lead the ship, so to speak. And then I just started getting more and more, it became a lifestyle. It's, it's like a martial art. It's like a lifestyle. It's a whole approach of how you deal with stress and how you deal with situations and how do you take crappy situations and really alchemize them into something more positive and beneficial. And that's what yoga is? Yoga means it's pretty much about engagement in life. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, yoga's obviously thousands of years old. Did, did it start out as how to take crappy start, situations it, and turn it into something positive? Well, philosophically, positive? in many ways, it did. It's just that the, the, <clears throat> the physical asana practice that people think of, which is like step aerobics yoga, that's just one uh, arm, if you will, of many different... No pun intended, right? No pun intended. Well, there, right. there is uh, many <laughs> limbs, so to speak, of, of the yoga practice. So it's not just necessarily the physical practice. There's, there's a lot of meditation and, and breath work and then um, kirtan, which is like the uh, devotional chanting. I mean, there's different things that are connected with yoga, but most people think of it as being the physical practice. With that said, I got into yoga for the physical aspects. I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea the rabbit hole went so deep, actually. Mm -hmm. And then once I started uh, practicing more and then I started teaching, and now I travel, whether it's for film or for yoga, to offer this, it's all about how do you apply what you do on the mat out in the world. So that's what it's about. It's really, that's really what it's truly about. So it's taking that ability to... To be to flexible focus. mentally mm -hmm. through the physical practice, mm. and then how to be how to realize that you have certain limitations physically, and how do you how do you respond to that as opposed to react? And does I it, usually respond to it with weeping and yes, self-loathing, yes, crying like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, could I've you, had many uh, of you in class. Could you cure John's self-loathing <laughs> through yoga? Could he learn it to actually, love himself it, again? If if you think about how you feel about yourself is reflected in how you hold yourself in your mm -hmm. embodied form. That can completely shift so much. Oh boy, oh boy. And it changes the, the yes, yeah. just the, the physiology of your body. So there's, there's a lot of benefits. I've, I've also gotten taller from yoga. How tall yeah. did you start off at? <laughs> it was three feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually stretched. And now I'm six feet. Is that from elongation of the spine? Or well, if you, do you do when, you, when you wake up in the morning, you're always taller. Just so you know. Are you? Yes, you shrink during the day. And so when you practice yoga yeah, regularly, yoga. you start to create more space in, in, in the spinal column. Very You'll great. start to hold yourself in such a way that you can actually what stay is, tall. Is there these different types of yoga? I see you're a teacher of Anusara yoga. Yes. What, what are the different divisions, and do we have to know that if we're going to take it up? Um, there are so many different styles of yoga, it can be a little mind-boggling, because not only are there the original one that fall under Hatha yoga, which you probably see, H-A-T-H-A, -H -A, yeah. Hatha yeah. yoga, there are so many different styles within that. There's like vinyasa and flow form and power yoga and, and Iyengar and Ashtanga and there's all these different styles. Yeah. And instead of getting worried about what you're doing, mainly is to see what resonates with you. But, the how, style would, that but I, how would I know if, I was gonna, if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking that that sounds interesting, what the monkey girl's talking about. Yes. How do I, what do I do? You go to as many different classes and see but what But would I know the difference you? if I... From no, level you wouldn't. One, you, you, know, wouldn't. You, know, you wouldn't. You just find so you sometimes differentiate you typically find a teacher that seems to that you get, 
And the style that I teach is very alignment-based, but it's not in order to add more things to your to-do list on the mat, because we have plenty of that off the mat. It's in order to be more aware of what are the patterns in your body and how you can start to choose other patterns. Just because something f- feels familiar in your body doesn't mean it's optimal. Hmm. You know? Mm. Yes, I know. Mm. You're like, huh. Jason, I'm- what do you do for relief <laughs> stress? Do you do anything? Um, sometimes I do yoga. Um, do you do and it uh, here or elsewhere in, when I mean, you're in New York? Or? in my house. Okay, you on know, your own. Yeah. Um, play it basketball. I definitely play basketball. That, that's a nice stress reliever. Um, right? You know, just right. the usual stuff. Maybe have some sex. You yeah. know, that usually is a <laughs> good Who with? Anybody in particular? <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you guys... Apparently, <laughs> apparently he's <laughs> taller in bed, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well played, sir. Well played. Speaking of, um, last night, during a scene that I shot, one scene was a sex scene, and that was... That was a little crazy. You're directing that? Yeah. Sex yeah. scene between whom? Sex scene between uh, male and female. Uh, it was for shooting a music video, and that was one of the scenes, and that was pretty awkward at first. It's <laughs> like, here, just drink some of this rum. And <laughs> but you have a closed set. You had a oh, closed yeah. set. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was you just me. You don't want to have everyone like... No, because I had some of my friends who, I mean... Our house sometimes can be, you know, filled with actors, musicians, all that stuff. So, hey, no, step back, man. Go, <laughs> go watch some TV, you know. <laughs> so but, uh, people aren't actually having sex on this thing. It's a music video, no. so it's not, right. it's not a right. porno. No, movie. no. They were, they were clothed, but we put, uh, you know, put the, clo- uh, the sheets covering nice kibbles and bits. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, have, you, have you shot a sex scene ever? Um, I've I've been privy to to the scenes, but I haven't I haven't no, no. it's that's it's a really um, unique yeah. situation yeah because it's you're trying to be civil but to really get a point across is like hey just come on just give it to her man you know like <laughs> really like stop being timid like I I talked to the actors before I was like all right guys like I I know kind of what you're going through. Because I've, I've rehearsed a sex scene before, like being the actor. And you've done it. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I know it's a little intimidating, but you just have to go for it. You know, that first kiss is going to be a little nervous. It's going to be a little, because you don't know who this person is. They had just met that night, when I've been wow. trying to get them together for the past two weeks, and schedules and all that stuff didn't really align. So that night was the first night they, uh, they had met, but they had like three scenes before that. So they already... Thankfully, they got along. Three yeah. scenes is enough to have sex with somebody. Isn't Did they it? go on vacation say. after? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, actually, they're, they're getting their memories erased. That's that's the story. Uh, <laughs> so the sex is that bad. No. Um, How do we get on to shooting sex scenes? <laughs> I don't know. I took it there. Well I wanted to talk yeah, about it. Right. You wanted to bring it You guys, we've run out of time to talk about anything, unfortunately. It's time to go. But before we go, let's wrap this up by Caleb wishing you all the best for the election. I appreciate that. Thanks it's for having me. It's only a couple again. of weeks away. Yeah. Two and a half. Well, We're we there. wish you all the best. If there's anything else, but it's we can funny do he's not with you. the Green Party. Very good. Mm. Oh. Uh, you think uh, that uh, the, right. the pot smoker? <laughs> no, it's a libertarian. Uh, it's a libertarian yeah. issue. So thanks very much to uh, Jay from Slice Pizzeria for coming down here with our uh, meat lovers cozone. Sorry that you couldn't have any of that cat, but no we had it for you. It's great. Slice Pizzeria is at 1513 St. Charles Avenue and 5538 Magazine Street up by Whole Food. You can check them out also at slicepizzeria.com. Also, don't forget to check out the New Movement Theatre at 1919 Burgundy Street, who I forgot to mention earlier. They have all sorts of free and very cheap comedy, including comedy improv classes. They're great. They're excellent. It's tnmcomedy.com. 
And also check out Chris True and Tommy Nelson from the TNM Theatre right here on itsneworms.com with this show, True to the Game. Thank you, John McCusker. Thank you, Jason Foster. Thank you, Kat McCarthy. And thank you, Congressman to be Caleb Trotter for joining me here on Happy Hour. Our show is produced by the fabulous Graham DePonte, Melinda Hawes, Trish Kaufman, and Anoush Karun. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director, our web designer, and link to the real world is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Mitch Foreman is currently playing and wrote the theme song to Happy Hour. If you'd like to be on our show, hello, Laura, we're almost done, and you can stay upright for almost an hour, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. Our show is recorded live at the Collins Hotel. You can check out our other happy hours and other shows on our website, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace, Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic, True to the Game with Chris True and Tammy Nelson, and Win Win, our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community with Steve Wynn and Q Win. If you uh, like this show, then maybe you can recommend it on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting. For itsneworlders.com, for Mitch Foreman on piano, I'm Grant Morris. Thanks for joining us here. We'll see you next time on Happy Hour.